This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air, Linda Cohen along with you. Well, with the rash of mass shootings like the ones we've seen in the past several decades in this country and the call for gun control measures to combat this seeming epidemic, the national conversation often focuses on mental illness as the central cause. In fact, 80% of the population believes that mental illness is at least partially to blame for such incidents. But what do we actually know about the connections between mental illness, mass shootings, and gun violence overall? Well, joining us by phone from his office with more insight and opinion on this crucial question is Dr. Ronald Pies, professor of psychiatry and lecturer on bioethics and humanities at Upstate Medical University and clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Pies. Thanks very much, Linda. It's good to be here. It's good to have you again. So what is the relationship in your eyes, between mental illness or psychiatric disorders and violence? Well, it's a complicated question, uh, Linda. I I would say as a short response, um, and at the risk of sounding a little like Larry David, uh, the link between violence and mental illness is pretty, pretty weak. Um, There really is, I think, no good evidence showing that Uh, mental illnesses, so-called, or psychiatric disorders uh, are uh, closely linked with uh, violence of of any kind. In fact, um, a person who has a psychiatric disorder is probably much more likely to be attacked or be assaulted by somebody uh, than to be a perpetrator of uh, violence. Uh, Just to give you two quick statistics, uh, uh, patients with severe mental illness uh, commit probably only around 1 in 20, roughly 5% of violent crimes in this country, 5%. uh, And about 10% of homicides have been attributed to uh, people who have a psychiatric uh, disorder or mental illness. And most of those uh, people who who have been uh, linked with homicide and who have a psychiatric disorder are people who have a, a substance abuse disorder as well, uh, or who are not being adequately treated. So that's uh, a quick response uh, to your question. Do you think that most violence in the society is caused then by other things, other than this whole notion of mental illness? I do. I I think we place a lot of emphasis on that because uh, we get uh, news reports of these very sensational horrific um, shootings, uh, so-called mass shootings, and um, the press uh, begins to put out information that the uh, person accused of it was seeing a, a psychotherapist or psychiatrist, something like that. We don't really learn very much about the person. Uh, we don't look at the many, many other causes of violence uh, that, that contribute to those behaviors. When you factor out um, comorbid substance abuse, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, when you factor that out of the equation uh, and also factor in whether the person who has a psychiatric disorder is being adequately treated, uh, most of the links between uh, so-called mental illness and violence really start looking very dubious. But how about this whole notion? I mean, part of what you mentioned and alluded to is that it's looked for or there's an attempt to try to link it especially in these mass shootings because many of us can't really get our arms around understanding how something that horrific 
could happen. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question I have is, do you see it, psychiatric illness, as a major factor in these types, mass shootings? Well, it's very hard to know, uh, Linda, because we don't have good uh, mental status exams or psychiatric evaluations of the people who have been accused or convicted of these crimes. Some of them end up uh, dead before right. anyone can talk to them. What we, what we can say is that there is a growing consensus that if you look at mass shooters, people who are involved in shootings of, let's say, more than four people, um, they tend to have some traits that, that stick out, such as feeling socially rejected, feeling bullied, uh, feeling depressed or suicidal. Some of them have narcissistic personality traits. Some of them are very preoccupied with violence and death and, and firearms. Uh, uh, those, those traits seem to be emerging, but uh, that's not necessarily to say that they have psychiatric disorders. Um, there are a lot of people out there who feel socially rejected and bullied, and they don't all become mass shooters. So there are other factors going on, uh, and we don't have an easy way of studying those in most cases. What, what's your thought about, given the fact that some of these characteristics may be in common, or I won't say universal, but seem to be in common, have these, these individuals have these in common, do you think there's some way we can be predicting this whole notion of a mass shooting? Given that information? Uh, in a word, no. I don't think we can be in the business of trying to predict who is going to become a mass shooter. Uh, in fact, uh, in an editorial recently, Dr. Uh, Matthew Goldenberg, uh, uh, in an editorial I think in the Los Angeles Times, said that finding uh, somebody who is going to be a, a mass shooter is like finding a piece of hay in a haystack. So it's not even a needle in a haystack. And that's because, for the most part, uh, the people who end up doing these things um, look and sound and act pretty much like most other people most of the time. Um, and profiles that are designed to sort of detect them, uh, questionnaires and so on, tend to, to have a lot of false positives. In other words, bringing in many people who may be socially rejected and bullied and, and preoccupied with violence, but who will never, ever do anything violent at all. And that's the problem with trying to predict these things. What we can do is put people in high or low risk categories, and that's something that doctors uh, and mental health professionals can be involved in. And what would that be based upon? That would be based on factors that we know are associated with um, violence in general, not necessarily mass shootings, but factors that we know are associated with violence in general. Uh, for example, a history of past violence. That's probably the best predictor. So instead of looking for folks who have been diagnosed with, let's say, schizophrenia, uh, we might better spend our time looking at uh, folks who have been involved in barroom brawls or who have been involved in domestic uh, violence. And those, those do not necessarily indicate a psychiatric disorder in the formal sense. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm Linda Cohen here along with psychiatrist Dr. Ronald Pies. We're talking about the relationship between violence, gun violence, and mental illness. So basically, you're feeling at this point we can't necessarily predict those kinds of horrific occurrences. But how about predicting violent behavior? I mean, what do you see as the risk factors for future violence, for example? 
Well, if you look at, for example, risk factors for violence in adolescents, um, we do have some fairly well-established risk factors, a history of prior criminal acts, uh, gang men membership, uh, poor social skills, uh, poor school performance. Um, How about substance abuse? Substance abuse is, is, a, is a risk factor for violence in general. Now, Violence covers a lot of territory. Sometimes we talk about episodic or impulsive violence versus targeted violence, so-called predatory violence that is often the case with these mass shootings. So the factors that I just rattled off are general factors for violence, and that doesn't tell you uh, the kind of violence it is. There's a big difference between a kid who uh, throws a punch in the locker room and somebody who spends six months planning a mass shooting. Right. And do you think that um, some of some another factor that plays a role or that needs to be looked at is the environment in which children find themselves? So, in other words, if they exist in an environment that has a high degree of violence, that could also be a contributing factor. Uh, yes, in fact, uh, among the risk factors for violence in general in adolescence is uh, living in a high crime uh, neighborhood or living in a severely disadvantaged uh, neighborhood. Um, also, uh, the school's tolerance of bullying. There does seem to be a correlation between schools that tolerate bullying and um, uh, risk of um, violence in uh, adolescents. And again, uh, this does not necessarily uh, translate into risk factors for these so-called mass shootings. We're talking about uh, violence in general, and that could be anything from throwing a punch uh, in a football game to uh, you know knocking over a desk. So violence is a very, very broad umbrella term. But this whole notion of risk factors for violence seems to be something that we could be looking at mm -hmm. and that even patients with or individuals with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia who have not shown any of those risk factors in fact have very low rates of violent behavior. Right. Folks who have a diagnosis of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder in general, if they're being adequately treated, if they're not also abusing substances, really have uh, rates of violence that are generally comparable to uh, most of the uh, public. Now, um, you know, we certainly can be looking for the kinds of uh, factors that I rattled off in what you just said, and, and I think teachers can work uh, hand in glove with mental health professionals and, and physicians on saying, you know, I think uh, Joey has these risk factors and I'm kind of worried about him. Uh, but that's different than being able to predict that Joey is going to do something violent. I think it's a matter of how we uh, sort of use our resources. So what role do you think, and this is, I know this is kind of a can of worms, but what role do you think gun control could play in preventing these horrific crimes? Well, that's a very controversial topic, and it, it gets us into the whole area of the Second Amendment and um, uh, gun rights, uh, so-called gun rights. Um, and uh, I can just give you my personal view on that, and I, I, do, I do understand that this tends to get people quite uh, stirred up, um, mainly because they start thinking about extreme measures like confiscation of guns and, and the like. And, of course, uh, nobody in the 
public health and mental health field is really talking about that. My own view is that we're not likely to make much progress uh, in terms of getting gun-related violence under control until we get the firearms issue under control in this country. In terms of access, you mean? In terms of access, in terms of uh, background checks, in terms of amount of uh, ammunition and guns that can be purchased. You know, we have homicide rates in this country that are nearly seven times higher than rates in other high-income countries, and that's driven mostly by firearm homicide rates, which are about 20 times higher in this country. Uh, We're never going to get to all the people who are at risk, Um, and I personally believe that we do need to get the firearms uh, access under better control. In the very little bit of time we have left, what other measures do you think we could undertake to prevent these horrific acts from occurring? Well, again, I wouldn't focus on the horrific acts in terms of mass shootings, and I would focus on the daily uh, carnage uh, in the streets that nobody reports on. And, you know, by the time we finish this phone call, probably uh, 10 or 12 people will have been shot, either uh, homicide or suicide in this country. I think we need to focus more on those uh, issues and what we can do to reduce uh, violence in in that group than uh, focus uh, on these very sensational mass shootings. And do you think that the sensational reports on the part of the uh, media play a role here? I think it may play some role. I think we give entirely too much publicity and uh, play to the shooters. I think we should be focusing more on the communities as they grieve and come together, uh, as we did after Sandy Hook, uh, the shootings there. I do not think we should be uh, making uh, uh, stars out of the people who are accused or convicted of these crimes. Yes, because clearly there can be copycats and all the like. Indeed. Thank you so very much. Very, very insightful, very um, important opinion. My, My guest has been Dr. Ronald Pies. He's professor of psychiatry and lecturer on bioethics and humanities at Upstate Medical University, and he's a clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine. Once again, thanks for being with us, My Dr. Pies. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. <laughs>